0: Hello, and welcome to Gen Nomadic, a podcast and community created by and for the next generation of globally-minded nomads. My name's Julia and I'm 18 years old, about to enter into a world of post-pandemic apocalypse. I'm just as lost and confused as the rest of you might be, trying to figure out how to navigate a world of such uncertainty. I want to work and travel, but I have some questions, like do I need a degree? How do I travel ethically? Where can I find like-minded people, and will travel still exist post-pandemic, or is it just a thing of the past? Here at Genomatic, I want to create a community of like minded travelers searching for a lifestyle that works for them. Each week, I'll interview global mentors and explore alternative lifestyle, sustainable travel, and weekly news about how the travel landscape is shifting in the midst of COVID 19. Through Genomatic, I want to empower you to explore the roads less traveled and to find out how you can create a fulfilling, purpose driven alternative lifestyle in the midst of global chaos. Hey, New Age Nomads, welcome to this week's episode with Jonah. Um, This week we talked about making travel accessible and equity within travel and kind of different mindsets that nomads are having having and um, just kind of like a traveler's mindset in general and what travel is going to look like post-pandemic. I loved having this conversation with Jonah and I definitely learned a lot from this talk and I hope that you do as well. I'd also just like to say that if you've been enjoying this podcast and the bi-monthly episodes, I would love if you could review and rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts and subscribe if you are interested. And last thing I'd like to touch on is, I don't know how everyone else is feeling about travel currently, but I am currently, just being very honest, kind of uninspired um, for the future of travel for me, for the future of travel in general, and this might be because I am feeling somewhat defeated from my experience in Puerto Rico, but also very inspired. So there's kind of some um, battling feelings there having to do with travel. Um, Of course, I know that travel is still my passion, and it probably is for a bunch of you, but just I want to have more conversations around kind of, I don't know, how that travel spark, that um, inspiration in us to see new places, to explore, travel sustainably, equitably, um, all these things that sometimes it's hard to stay motivated while everything is so uncertain. Um, and I'd love to have more conversations around that. And if you want to get in touch or you anything to talk about relating to that subject, I'd love to talk to you um, on Generation Nomad. You can just direct message me or you can email me at gennomadic at gmail.com um, but yeah i hope you enjoy this episode with jonah and i will see you in a week or so
1: hello and welcome to gen nomadic a podcast and community created by and for the next generation of globally minded nomads today i'm really excited because i am here with jonah welcome to the podcast thank you for being here
2: hey julia thanks for having me i'm really excited to be here
1: yeah Thank you for being here. Um, can we start out this episode with just you introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about what you're doing, who you are, all that good stuff.
2: Sure, my name is Jonah Cedar. I'm 23 years old. I'm a student at Indiana University. I'm a former Gap Year alum. I actually ended up taking three Gap Years between high school and college. Um, and now I, I've, uh, I've worked for a Gap Year company in the space, Oyster Worldwide, um, gone and toured on the USA Gap Year affairs, giving talks, uh, trying to sell the program. Um, spreading the story about gap years and why they're so great. Uh, and now I've uh, started my own venture in the space called Exploration Ed.
1: That's so awesome. I'm so excited to get into all of that with you today. Um, so can you start off by telling us a little bit about your three gap years, um, kind of what you did, but also why three gap years and the importance of that?
2: Sure. Uh, so I decided to take my gap year actually two weeks before it happened, or my set of three gap years. I was all signed up for school. I had all my classes picked out, my roommate, uh, everything scheduled, all my books bought. Um, And then I had, I was going into that situation knowing that I was going to have to pay for college on my own. I had no help from my parents or from anybody. And I had somehow decided to go to a college that cost $26,000 for a semester. Uh, And I had a lot of people in my life telling me, hey, maybe don't do that. Which is interesting because I you know, a lot of people have the opposite experience where their parents and everybody in their life is telling them, hey, go to college for sure. You have no other option. And they were telling me, maybe don't do that because you don't know what you want to do uh, yet. And you don't really have that kind of money. And it took me until getting the bill uh, to really understand that and realizing, hey, maybe I shouldn't do this because um, I really wanted to be intentional, too, about my time. I didn't just want to go to college, study something, you know, have the normal path that a student takes where they going. You know, they're just checking off boxes. Um, I wanted to be really intentional and enjoy my time and really get something out of it. So I ended up taking my gap year and I actually started by working for the first year. I worked at a university, oddly enough, um, moving moving furniture and things and and um, uh, doing events at the university. So setting up events and concerts and things like that. Um, and, I, and I had to do that for the first year. And, and it's for the same reason that my gap year turned into three years. And that's because again, I had was paying for everything on my own. Um, and, I, and I learned that that would take a lot longer than I than I thought it would take at least at the beginning, because I had no, no idea about how to exactly go about doing that. How do I pay for these things? How do I save up the money? Um, how much is it actually going to be? Um, but then after that first year, I ended up actually getting to start traveling. So uh, that summer afterwards, I went and did a three week tour of Western Europe. We did eight countries all by bus. We flew into Ireland and then went to Amsterdam, uh, Germany, uh, Italy, France, Switzerland, Austria, England, and Ireland. And it was just an amazing, amazing time. And then came back to the States, moved out of my parents' house, uh, went to Austin, Texas to build homes with Habitat for Humanity through a company called Global Village. And then uh, I went... I went on a month-long road trip with my friends across the uh, western half of the United States. So I'm from the Midwest. So we went from Chicago all the way to Los Angeles, up the Pacific Coast Highway, back through Montana and um, the Dakotas. Um, I went to Costa Rica with Oyster Worldwide to volunteer with a, on a sea turtle conservation project for a week. And then I got to study sustainable tourism. In, in Iceland for uh, for three weeks during the summer, right before my gap time was over, and then also went and did New York City Meals on Wheels and Hunger-Free America in, in New York City. So I packed in a lot, a lot of stuff.
1: Wow, that that is an experience. That sounds incredible. So what was that situation? You said that you were in Iceland and you were studying sustainable tourism?
2: Yeah, so towards the end of my kind of three-year experience, um, I was at I was kind of going in and out of college. So I at a local community college near me, I'd go for a semester and then realize, maybe this isn't for me, and then leave, and then come back again and say, I don't think I'm ready, yet, and, then, and then leave again. But through that university, there was a study abroad experience to Iceland, and it was all about sustainable tourism. And I was studying sustainability, and I've always wanted to go to Iceland. It's always been this mythical, magical place to me. Um, and yes, and yeah, so then we went there and studied sustainable tourism and, and we were really studying that in three aspects. One of the fact that Iceland in itself is a very unique destination, not just in what it offers with, within it, but also where it sits geographically. So because of where it sits geographically, they're able to use all natural resources to power things in their country. So we were not only studying that, but we were also studying how they deal with tourists coming in, how they hand out pamphlets that kind of have this like this list of rules that you have to follow and even sign when you get there, uh, they kind of commit to it, uh, that they have videos on YouTube that tell tourists coming in, hey, this is how you need to behave when you're here, this is what to do, this is what not to do. Uh, but they're very creative videos, they're not just videos of someone telling you something, they do music videos and different fun things. Uh, but then also something that I don't know if they've implemented yet, but that they were going to or they were talking about when we were at the university there, but also limiting the amount of people who could come to Iceland at one time, both to keep it, pristine, but then I think also just to keep the mystical, uh, the mystical aspect alive of people coming in. And then we were also there studying land ethics, too. Um, so understanding how to how to take care of the land that, um, you know, on, on the ground, everything seems different, you know, with borders, lines, fences that say, this country is this country, this country is this country. But when you go from a bird eye view, which we got to when we were in Iceland, uh, you kind of realize that we're really all We really are truly on a spaceship you know all together and it just happens to take six hours or 24 hours to get from one room in the spaceship to another room but we really are it really is all one place if that makes sense
1: yeah that definitely makes sense that sounds like a really amazing opportunity i really wish that i could do that one day like that sounds like an awesome course or class was it a course or was it just kind of like a trip that you did
2: Yes sorry, so it was a, it was a class. so the first about week we were there, we were actually at a university in Iceland Holar university, and we would uh, we would have in class study, but then we'd also get to go kind of out on the grounds and you know experience study by experience that way um and then for the rest of the couple of weeks, we were just traveling the ring road um, and and learning we were learning at the same time. we had a, a, a geography teacher with us, so she was teaching us about the different things as we were seeing them, and then we were just getting a chance to. Uh, see Iceland as well, so it was—it was really, it was really amazing.
1: How did your experiences on your three gap years kind of transform into what you're doing now and all of your passions?
2: Sure. Uh, so, I would say that started even before I took my my three gap years, um, and I just didn't know it. And I think my gap years just kind of op- op- awoke that up. But uh, starting at 10 years old, I, I have these grandparents who are world travelers themselves. They've been all over the world and they intend to go to every continent except for Antarctica, which I think, I think they've almost hit that goal. Um, I'm not sure, but I think they almost have. And, and they did this peak thing for us every year uh, for me and my cousins, because there's so many of us. So instead of giving us these physical gifts, they just wanted to share with us those kinds of experiences, but in, in our own backyard. And so, living about an hour and a half east of Chicago. Um, I was fortunate enough that my household got to go to Chicago a lot, but my cousins were not necessarily the same. They didn't always get to go. And so they would do this really cool thing where they would just gather us all up over Christmas and they would take us there every year for, for a day. And we would go and explore the touristy things, but also the non-touristy things. Um, We would go to different uh, culture points of Chicago, different things in the background, try out different foods. They would just basically show us the world within, within the city. Um, And I think I knew within the first couple of years of going on those trips that emulating my grandparents in that respect was something that I wanted to do with the rest of my life, but I I really had no idea how to do it. Um, So, come gap your experience. uh, Going on my trip with uh, Oyster Worldwide to Costa Rica, I had come back and I had gotten an email from them that said, hey, we're always looking for people after they go on our trips to be ambassadors. And uh, I I kind of, I didn't really read the rest of it. I kind of stopped reading. I emailed them as quickly as I could in the airport in Costa Rica. Uh, and that's how I got to then go to Chicago where the, the USA Gap Year Fairs uh, is just a set of these informational fairs and all these different Gap Year programs go to, and they go all over the country from December to February, except not this year because of the pandemic. But so I got to go to Chicago for Oyster and just kind of to talk about oysters, the program, talk about my experience. Um, and then that led to me going to more of them. Um, and that led to me meeting a lot of other people in this space and uh, joining the Gap Year Association's alumni committee and doing work through the alum committee. Um, and then from there, I just kept snowballing. I kept going on more USA Gap Year affairs. I kept meeting more people. I kept getting involved in projects, um, writing blog posts, and continuing um, to try and talk to students and eventually working with a great a great website in the space called Gap Yearly uh, that tries to offer uh, mentorship to students looking to go on gap year experiences to so sharing itineraries and, and things like that. And then I just decided that what has been really important to me in having my own gap year experience and trying to pay for it um, and, and trying to experience it intentionally and then listening to what students had to say about their own struggles with having access to this space was I really wanted to focus on access. I really wanted to focus on sharing my experience with other people. And so I started this venture in the space called Exploration Ed. And that is our mission in starting Exploration Ed was to empower young people to be citizens of the world by providing access to meaningful and experiential education opportunities. And although we have so many wonderful things that we wanna do to achieve that goal, um, our main focus right now is that financial literacy piece. So we've created a financial literacy workshop for students, starting at as low as twenty-five dollars to access. Um, that's essentially all the research, my personal stories, um, all the resources I've used over the last three years, all in one central location. Um, it uses it uses Presdi as a platform, so it's it's just. It's, it's a way that instead of like going through a traditional set of learning modules that one might go through, it's just, it's, it's put all in a storytelling platform that you can access different points at, you know, whatever time you want. Um, I mean, it has all the information you would need to not only be financially literate enough to pay for your gap year or multiple gap years, but also to have a lifelong, a lifelong positive relationship with money, even past the gap year as well.
1: Yeah, that's really incredible. That's so impressive that you created that. And I bet that's an amazing resource for so many people, Um, especially like during the pandemic. I think that people are really confused with money and how to pay for travel, but... Do you think that travel can be equitable in general? Because I know that in different projects that I've done um, that it's been a huge problem and just trying to have people kind of understand, like, is travel affordable? Is it something that only the wealthy can access? Like, what are kind of your thoughts around that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think is travel equitable? I think that's a, it's a question that really goes beyond just money too. you know, there's a lot of questions with travel is it sustainable from an, you know, from an environmental perspective? You know, of course, of course, fly, I know flying is my biggest carbon footprint. It's the biggest, largest part of my carbon footprint. Um, you know, is it, is it ethical for the people that you're, you know, the host countries that you're going to, and is it affordable? Is it only available for the rich? Um, and I, I would say no on, on, on that front, but I would, I would also say that it's, just like anything in life, and I and I talk about this with the finances as well. It's all about the why behind why you're doing something. Um, you know, I think that done the wrong way, uh, travel might not be sustainable from an environmental from an environmental standpoint. But I think it's really all about how you're managing your life outside of the travel, um, and then also how you're operating when you get to that place. Um, same, same with the social aspect of when you go somewhere and you're volunteering and you're worried about am I volunteering ethically? Um, I guess the key there again is, is why? Why am I going there to volunteer? Am I going there because I wanna get the picture to post on Instagram or am I going there because I really wanna learn something um, and I really wanna to contribute to a place and learn how to bring that concept back to my home and figure out how I can improve the place where I live too and not just and not just there, because it's a big part about being a global citizen. Um, and as far as the financial equity part, there there are so many ways to afford travel, um, and there are so many there are so many different opportunities out there that aren't just I'm going to go to Europe and stay in these really nice hotels, um, you know, or go to these really expensive expensive destinations. Um, there are a lot of different alternative ways to travel and be able to afford it. Um, and you know, I, and I like to think about the the long term effects of travel too, when it comes to being to being equitable. Um, and it's all going back to those those lines that I was talking about in terms of land ethics that we were I was studying in Iceland. That it's all about blurring those lines, you know, between the lines that we draw between people, the lines that we draw within ourselves, um, and the lines that we draw between you know us and the land that we live on, us and the animals that we live with, um, that. Traveling helps you blur all of those lines because you're seeing things for yourself. You're experiencing it with your own senses. Um, And to me, that's worth more like investing in that. And that's how I see that. I see that as an investment. Investing in that um, is worth more, I think than anything else that you would ever spend your money on. And when you decide, when you make the decision that you want to have that sort of experience um, and that you're going to make an adjustment in your life to make sure that you're putting money aside to do that and that you're still, Having all of the things that you that you need, rather than that you just want, but that you need, and that you know that your want is to go have those travel experiences. Um, the money just the money just ends up being there because you you know how to make it you know how to make it be there, and that's your number one priority.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's all about prioritizing those experiences, and also just like putting more of an emphasis on experience versus um, physical you know things that you'd buy like thinking about where your money's going in your day-to-day life and then also where your money's going when you're traveling and how you're traveling. Like you said, like there's a lot of different ways that you can budget travel. Um, Something that I've been thinking Mm -hmm. about recently around budget travel and kind of like the future of the pandemic and travel is that a lot of those ways that we budget travel, like staying at homestays, staying at hostels, staying at woof sites, you know, all of those just became a bit more unsafe and also puts people in, um, like at risk communities in a sticky situation. So how do you think we can navigate kind of like budget travel and less expensive travel in like a post pandemic context? Yeah, a hundred percent. I just feel like you'd have a lot of like. I think you have a lot of amazing kind of insight on this. It's just with budget travel and with these kind of ways that we always think is like a more sustainable route of travel, like staying at a hostel, staying at a homestay, woofing, work exchange. All of those um, modes of budget travel has just become a bit more dangerous, not only for ourselves but for the communities that we're visiting. And so it's just interesting when Mm -hmm. we're talking about like equity and equitable travel and how like those were kind of keystones of equ of like. having a more affordable travel experience. And now that there's all of these kind of ethical and like, you know what I'm saying? Like issues around the pandemic Mm -hmm. and those
2: modes of travel. Yeah, well, so, uh, you know, the issues of the pandemic, I think the important thing to remember is it's not, it's not here to stay, you know, as as much as it seems like it is right now as we're in the thick of it, it, it's not. And just like any aspect of the pandemic, other aspects of our life that the pandemic is making us question. Um, this is just another area. And it's not that I don't think those things are going to be um, more or less unsafe than they were before or than they are now, but it's just a way to question now when I go to these places post pandemic, how can I make sure that I'm being a guest, you know, rather than just going there and saying, I am a vol- I'm here as a tourist. I'm here as a volunteer, so like my priorities are you know greater than your than your priorities. You know I'm in somebody's home. You know when I'm at an Airbnb or a hostel or somewhere like that in these budget uh, travel destinations, I'm in somebody's somebody's area. Um, And you know before the pandemic, during the pandemic, after the pandemic, it it doesn't matter what situation you're in. That that's always going to be that's always going to be the case. Um, And so understanding that you're in somebody else's Area, somebody else's home. Um, especially in those hostile Airbnb situations, because you're in the background now, right? You're not just a tourist at a hotel in these areas that are that are designated for tourists, but you're in you're in the suburbs now. You're in the you're in the background. You get to see this this uh, part of the destination that no one else gets to see, and there's a lot of responsibility that that comes with that. Um, so so having an understanding of that, um, I, I think is something that was always the case whether the pandemic was happening or not but now this is an opportunity for us to say well now i know that for sure and now i know that i need to be respectful of their space and do what i can do to leave it better or the same as as when i as when i found it
1: yeah i definitely agree it just seems like now it's just all those issues are highlighted like more than they were before cuz i feel like before they were talked about in the travel industry in the travel landscape, but I feel like now they're more at the forefront because everyone's thinking that way. Like everyone has sustainability and equity and ethical aspects on their mind. Um, And I bet also the organizations like Go Overseas have those ideas on their mind a bit more. Can you talk a bit about how travel organizations or how you've seen travel organizations kind of like shift in this post-pandemic context and also in response to like sustainability and ethics around
2: travel? So, you know to be fair to all those organizations that that was on their mind even before the pandemic as you as you said that was on a lot of these things were on a lot of our minds you know beforehand how do i you know how do i go to an airbnb and make sure that i'm safe make sure you know they're safe too how do i go to these places and make sure um, that those things are all, all in order and and they were focused on those things beforehand but you know that's a very uh, those are very tough things to try and to try and navigate um, you know bringing in students and sharing those experiences with them um, and then trying to make sure that you're still you know you're still uh, being uh, cognizant of the of the host destination. Um, but programs even before the the pandemic um, were doing that just in their partnerships that they had with the host with the host destinations, with the host peoples uh, you know they were they were always being cognizant to teach their students and help them understand that they were going to, you know, they were going to a place that they had to be respectful of, that they had to, that they had to blend into, um, and that they had to be uh, keyed into, you know, because now they're, now they're in this place that, again, is not, is, uh, is not their home, destination. Um, and, and, you know, now programs are, I, I think it's, it, it's difficult because programs are, are having, are, um financially struggling obviously because of the pandemic because they're not able to run their programs all the same so i think there's a there's a, there's a struggle to figure out well, how do we make sure that we're still keeping those things on the forefront of our mind um, while also just being able to run our programs uh, in general but i but i think that the there's not really so much of a shift as there is i think that there's um, some programs that are more in the in the forefront now because they were always offering those things you know where there be dragons Oyster Worldwide, Carpe Diem, and then there's, you know, there's other programs now that are that are thinking, well, how do we how do we do those things? And I think the biggest shift has been this domestic trip offering, this domestic program offering versus the overseas, because when we were talking about sustainability from a program perspective, that was always the that was always the point of conversation is, well, is it ultimately more sustainable and more equitable um, from an access standpoint, to offer programs in the domestic space rather than the international space. And so for me, that's been the most exciting shift that I've seen from programs and from companies in this space is shifting to a more domestic focus rather than always going international.
1: Yeah, and that you travel in your backyard or in the state next door, that it doesn't always have to be this international experience. Do you think that the learning and the Um, kind of the immersion of the experience is similar in kind of a domestic context versus international, or do you think that we're kind of missing out on something there? Uh,
2: No, I think it's, I think it's, (laughs) ask your question one more time.
1: Yeah, no, I guess what I was just wondering your thoughts on is just, do you think that, because I think that, the domestic travel options are incredible. And it's really awesome that we're kind of shifting in that direction, especially because it's more sustainable environmentally and sometimes socially and social impact as well. But are we kind of missing out on some international aspects of kind of like immersion and growth that can be found in those countries that also challenge yourself and challenge your perspectives? Or do we feel like we can find those um, same challenges and those same aspects of growth in a domestic context?
2: Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, travel is first and foremost a mindset. And that's what we talk about in the Gap Year space, but even beyond the Gap Year space, you know, in study abroad, just travel in general, it is it is purely a mindset and and there there are a lot of benefits that do come from the international travel. I mean, having to navigate, you know, and adapt to a situation and an area that you've never been in before, um, you know, there's the language barrier and and things like that, but there is so many instances even within our United States, where you can experience a world within where we're at right right now um, and i think I think it's uh I think it's foolish to to miss that to miss what's right in front of you because I think the other the other danger of travel tends to be that we're in traveling the world I think that we're always trying to search for something um, and I think that you can travel the world your whole life and try to go to every country that there is trying to find something and realize at the end of your life that what you were looking for all those years was probably right in front of you the whole time or you know or in your backyard at home so there is, there is so much that you can accomplish and do even here in the United States I mean what what I've noticed too about traveling most of the United States now is that the United States in itself is four or five different countries I mean, the Northeast is so much different than the West and the Pacific Northwest and the Southwest and the South <laughs> and the uh, the Midwest. I mean, it, it it all has its own different cultures and way of way of viewing the, the world. Um, and and of course, the U.S. being such a such a melting pot of other um, of other uh, um, of other countries coming here, um, there's there's so much to be learned just from just from traveling here domestically as well. So no, I don't think there's anything lost um, by not going international, although that is also a very, um, a very formative and, and uh, important experience that I do believe that students should have at least once in their life.
1: Yeah, I really like what you were saying about kind of romanticization of like different places and kind of like going all around the world your entire life and looking for something that's more like within. And I feel like that kind of ties back to what you're talking about, about having like that mission statement or that purpose for why you're traveling. It's because like whether you're traveling to Colorado from California or you're, you know, traveling to... Um, India from California I think that like you still have to have that clear mission statement and like that's really what makes your trip so meaningful not trying to like check off all these imaginary bucket list Mm -hmm. options because like yeah like you you said I mean borders are just made up lines in a way like cultures and people kind of cross borders and it's Mm -hmm. not just in these segregated areas like I I definitely agree with that
2: yeah we all want to we all want the same things you learn whether you can speak English or not we all want the same things we all want to We all want somebody to love. We all want to eat food. Uh, We all want to just have a drink with somebody and and laugh, you know, at, at the base. We all want those things. We all want to take care of our family. So, I mean, whether other things outside of those things are different, there's always that base that everybody wants those same base things, no matter where you are in the world.
1: And I think sometimes when people travel, they kind of travel for that want of having those experiences in these different places because they don't think that they can find that community, that culture, that, like, I don't know, excitement for life in the places that they are. But I think that that's kind of a grass is greener on the other side mentality that I think travelers face consistently, thinking that the next country I will be the best version of myself or in this location, something will be brought out in myself that I didn't see before but it's interesting how like travel um illuminates those things within us but it also kind of gives us this like romanticization mentality and grass is greener complex
2: yeah it's a fine line you have to draw (laughs) as as a traveler it's a fine line because of course even even knowing from all my travel experiences, being home now for the last six or seven months it's made me more grateful for growing up where I've grew up more than I ever have been in my life, uh, but at the same time, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna continue to travel when this when this thing is over. Um, understanding that I'm enjoying that experience and enjoying the learning of it, rather than romanticizing what it is, and understanding that I can enjoy all of those things being at home too.
1: Definitely, exactly, and like I think also every like sometimes when travelers think like they're thinking like oh where do I find home like where is home? But I think people like understanding that like home is within yourself, and that like when you're a traveler, you kind of have to like accept that um you're not oh you can't always keep looking for something outside of yourself that like it has to be within yourself. I've just noticed that as like a consistent mentality across travelers.
2: Yeah, and you know what I think that is? I think that it's that's that's a that's a really good point because that's. The one consistent thing I've noticed is the more I've traveled and the older, the older I've gotten that no matter where I go, I always feel like I'm at home. And that's because I'm there, you know, <laughs> that home is it's cheesy as it sounds. Home is really where the heart is, but it's where your heart is, you know, cause you're, you're your own home and no matter where you go, you're bringing that with you um, the whole time. So yeah
1: exactly and i think that's why sometimes you have to work on yourself a bit mentally before you can be that traveler that you want to be because to have that home within yourself takes work and for some people they never feel that their entire lives and they're always going to be searching whether that's material possessions or experiences like they're always going to be searching for those things so it's kind of like to be that traveler you want to be you like you have to find that within yourself yeah absolutely yeah. So, do you have any advice for students that want to create a gap year for themselves or three gap years for themselves, kind of in this like post-pandemic context or current pandemic context? I guess.
2: Sure. Uh, well, the first thing is that you're you're at an incredible time of your life. You know, you have nothing to lose and literally a whole world to gain. Um, so, if a gap year is something that you've thought of doing or that you've never heard of, but now you're hearing about it for the first time and it's piquing your interest, uh, just do it. Just make the decision that you're gonna do it, even if you don't know how you're gonna afford it or you don't know what you're gonna do on it or you're worried about eventually trying to go to college. Uh, Life is short, but it's also really long and it waits for you, Um, especially college. College waits for you, especially when you've gone out into the world and done really cool things that you're then gonna bring back to your college um also understanding that maybe college isn't even the right path for you it's not the right path for everybody um so i think if you you know the the key to the key to life the key to being successful is liking yourself liking what you do and liking how you do it um so just follow the compass that is your own heart and whatever it's telling you just do that because that's going to give you the best that's going to give you the best sort of results um and if you are worried about you know financing uh the gap year um that's completely understandable because there are some options out there that are just as much if not more than than going to college um, understand that just like college or just like anything else uh, the gap year is not one size fits all uh, it's different for everybody um, some people do it for uh, that's why we call that's why we kind of shifted to calling it gap time because some people take two weeks to do it some people take the full year uh, some people do three years like I did um, and there's even some people out there who've done ten um, 10 gap years Uh, so it really all depends on on you as a person um, and what you want out of the experience and what you what you're trying to accomplish um, and when you feel like you're like you're ready um so with the financial with the financial piece especially it all goes back finances are all about making decisions and you make thousands of millions of decisions on a a daily basis so it's all about making that first decision i want to go on my gap year Um, and then after that, just doing everything that you possibly can to make sure that that happens, doing the research, um, you know, learning about finance, learning how to save, learning how to earn money and knowing that the the gap year is, is a, it's not just a one year, three year, 10 year thing. It's a lifelong experience. So set yourself up up for that lifelong experience.
1: Yeah, definitely. And not like a gap year. Like, it's kind of weird that we... For gap because it's not a gap like your life begins whenever you want it to begin like it's not like once you're done with your gap then your life begins like it's still your life even when you're within the gap I think yeah definitely remembering that it's not a gap necessarily um do you have any advice for people who want to work in experiential education or work for companies like you've been involved with or in sustainable travel
2: yeah, you know, I think my I think my biggest advice is uh, get the experience. You know, go go and have your own volunteering experiences. Put yourself out there. Um, and when you've when you've gone, if you have gone with a program or you're about to go with a program, no matter what the what the program is, um, be try to be involved with that program. Um, you know, really offer your services. Programs are always looking for alumni um, to write articles to write. You know, blog posts, um, to go and talk about that program or just your personal experience in general and, and share the movement because that's what we're really trying to do is share the movement. We want this to be more accessible to more students and we want more students to know about it and for it to be normalized because uh, we, you know, we want to create a just form of education for everybody. Um, so if it's something that you're really passionate about and it's something that you want to get involved in. Just start getting involved in it um, as, early, as early as you can. Um, find those programs, find those contacts, find those people, um, and, and really start putting yourself out there and getting involved in any way that you can.
1: Yeah, I like what you were saying about experiential education being a movement. Like, what is, how do you define that movement? Like, what is that movement of experiential education?
2: Well, I think that one of the things that I've, that's really hit me in studying sustainability. is, is, again, when I look at it, I look at the foundation of it, you know, it's because the way I like to think of it is the plastic in the ocean, for example, Um, there are a lot of different ways people are dealing with that. One is they're going in there and trying to take the plastic out and making things with it, but then the plastic is still going into the ocean. So it's either, so it's like they're putting a, they're taking a cup and putting it under the water coming out of the faucet, filling up the cup and then leaving. And then they're keep trying to fill up the cup, just turn off the faucet, you know? Stop the water from going out first, and then scoop up the water. Uh, so I think it's the same thing with education. I think that when I look at a lot of the issues that are happening in the world, I think when you, when you follow it back all the way to the start, education is where all of that starts. How we're learning, what we have access to in the classroom, and because education forms people who then go out into the world and, and do things, and you think it should be the other way around, um, but really, that's that's how it works. So when I see education as a as a movement, um, and, and especially experiential education, I think experiential education is how we kind of break that um, break that mold, right? Of going to class, um, studying for the exam, graduating, going to college, graduating college, getting a job. That the way to break that whole cycle um, and be able to include everybody in the classroom and be able to include everybody in the conversation is by having those experiential opportunities where you learn how to learn just for the sake of wanting to learn and explore and be curious um, and become a global citizen and learn how to interact with with people in the world and want to protect them because they're part of your home outside of where you actually grew up. rather than learning just to check off those boxes and to get the degree and to go out into the world and then forget everything that you were learning before. And so I think that what I see is that experiential education is the future of just education in general. And that's my personal goal in joining this movement is that we see in the future education that includes everybody, you know, of all race and equitable backgrounds, that they all have the same amazing opportunities and experiences in that space and that the classroom extends beyond just four walls. Because as I said earlier with something else, that's just what life is. You know, Life is beyond the four classrooms. And um, I, I think it's really important for students to have that holistic, um, the holistic viewpoint of the world.
1: Yeah, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that that movement's a really important thing. And also, like, when you talk about this movement, do you talk about it in the context of a first world movement or kind of like including all countries? Because I think it's really interesting when we talk about experiential education, because I'm really passionate about it as well. And it's interesting when we think about it, because it's like, America, like we can we can make it equitable to all Americans in a future context of experiential education, or Canadians or Europeans. But is it accessible to kids in India? Is it accessible to kids in Pakistan and Nepal and these other places around the world?
2: So I think you have to start with where you are. Yeah. Right. You you have you have to start with where you are. Um, You know, you you can have a greater vision of looking down the line and saying what's accessible to the rest of the world. Um, But I think that that's where uh we reach a kind of contentious point as americans is when we're trying to think of like obviously being a global citizen you want to think about all those people in all those other countries but they also have their own agendas and beliefs and cultures in life and so i i want to be careful not to push the idea of experiential education on those other cultures and people if that makes does that make sense
1: yeah and that like experiential education is right for certain types of countries with certain types of values and ideas and backgrounds and that maybe it's it's not the perspective of others
2: well well, right right you know also too if you think of the united states as um as a global leader which 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 right now right now it is um you know we're we have a lot of our own things to solve and and figure out first before we can kind of branch out um, and, and create kind of a, um, you know, a uh, global partnership or global togetherness with other countries. So I think focusing on, on what you can do where you are first and improving that and then expanding out is, is probably the way to go there.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really great point. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really enjoyed
2: speaking with you. Thank you so much, Julia. I enjoyed speaking with you as well. It was a really good time.
0: Hey, New Age Nomads. Um, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you are interested in joining the Generation Nomad community a bit more, getting involved, head over to our Instagram. And I'd always love to chat with you guys. Just um, hop into the DMs on Generation Nomad and I'd love to talk anything travel related with you all. Um, And yeah, I hope you're having an amazing week and I'll see you soon.